hello. <laughs> Why are you laughing already? What are you laughing at? My brain at? is broken and I wanted to go wee woo, wee woo. I wee woo, wee woo. Yeah. That's the mood backing today. up, backing up into the podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We're taking it back. Taking it back. Look at that. To the past. To- okay. Mm-hmm. The- Laura, we need to rein it in. This is a feed episode. We are not on the Patreon Sorry. right now. We need Sorry. to actually introduce ourselves. You know, I'm I'm a freak on the Patreon. I'm Laura. I'm that's Carolyn. Carolyn. And together we are fit literate. Uh, just kidding. We don't have a theme song yet. Yeah. Just improv it. Just riff it. Um, you like jazz? Welcome to our podcast. Um, we're feeling a little silly today, in case you couldn't tell. But yeah, it's yeah, going to be a I silly am... fun episode. I'm not angry for once. That's Ooh. honestly, that's why I'm so silly is that normally when we do research, I end up very, very angry. Oh, and okay. Today I'm just feeling fun. Yeah, so. I I kind of agree. Like, I definitely mine's a little bit of a a mixed bag. There's some upsides, some downsides, but for the most part, my research was just like very fun. And uh, for lack of a better word, I'm I'm feeling jazzed today. I'm feeling jazzed. <laughs> we'll I'm get to feeling it. Tyrific. There we go. Tyrific, but not tired. Well, tired, but also yeah. I'm also tired, and so I'm going to be honest. I'm glad that I'm going first today because I don't know how my brain is going to hold up in this session. So for context, listeners, I am currently visiting my family in Massachusetts. So I was like on a plane yesterday, slept in a bed that's not my bed last night, and just like I'm generally feeling a little bit off. I also have cats here that may come and distract me. I kind of hope that they do because they're really cute. They're like a year old. (laughs) Um, And yeah, but we're going to do our best. Also, (laughs) Laura, this is more just for you. I think I'm going to be getting dinner in your hometown tonight. So No way. You know how my my parents love your hometown and spend a lot of time there. They for those of you following along at home, Carolyn's parents love my hometown and spend a lot of time there. This is a bit of lore, a, a bit of fit literate lore that I feel like we haven't covered in a long time, which is that we actually grew up oh, yeah. about twenty minutes from each other, but we didn't know each other. We, no, we were no contact for the first twenty five or twenty six years of our lives. But yeah, we went to different schools, but we did go to the same shopping mall. Um, and I do plan on going there to get some. Chicken teriyaki. Chicken teriyaki. (laughs) You better. Oh my gosh. It's the best. I'll send you a picture. It's the best American mall chicken teriyaki in the whole world. And I'm so, so jealous. It's so good. And it is, I'm extra excited because the mall that's near me, like I actually live really close to a shopping mall in Orlando. My neighborhood's like not far from the big like shopping complex in that part of town with like the Ikea and everything. But that mall food court doesn't have any chicken teriyaki. Not just like the type that's at our hometown mall that's the best one, but just none at all. That's infuriating. Every mall should have an Auntie Anne's and a Cinnabon and a Sarku Japan. That should be yeah. law. And a Dunkin' Donuts. A mall Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess our that's true. Our mall had a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that's true. And a Bertucci's. Oh my God. <gasps> 
oh, I haven't thought about Bertucci's in so long. And you would go and you would get the raw dough to play with as a child. Instead of crayons, they would give you the dough and I would always eat it. Did you ever? I'm sure it was nasty. Actually, my family wasn't big into like Italian food, so I don't think I really went there much as a small child. But when I was in high school, my like friend group would like to go there together. And I just want to apologize if any of the wait staff (laughs) that ever served me and my friends at the Chelmsford, Massachusetts, Bertucci's uh, between Mm -hmm. 2009 and 2012, we were probably horrible and we probably tipped terribly. We were too young to buy alcohol. So that was um, probably not a good experience for you because there was always like 15 of us. Yeah, we brought a lot of high school drama cast parties to the TGI Fridays in the Solomon Pond Mall. And we would do sugar shooters because we were like, "Eh, we're taking shots, which was just you'd take a packet of sugar and you'd swallow it whole. Ew. Like like dry scooping pre-workout. It's like a pixie stick. Only mildly less detrimental to your system. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. I mean, so I mean, okay, apologies. if I was there, I would have done that for for attention. So I shouldn't be reacting the way I am. That's very much in line with my high school personality. I was not a theater kid, but I was a band kid, which is just a different flavor of the same thing. So Yeah. Yeah. I, and when while we're talking about malls, let's let's rein it in. Let's bring it back around and let's talk about malls makes me think of mall walkers. Makes me think Ooh. of Juicy Couture sweatsuits and Skechers shape-ups and little hand weights, mm-hmm. which makes me think of other studio-to-home fitness crazes of the mid to late 90s. When I think of the mall, I really think Look of the that. 80s. I feel like that was the mm. the heyday of the American shopping okay. mall experience. And it was also, in a lot of ways, the the height of media attention for a certain brand that I like to call Jazzercise Incorporated. And <laughs> should we get into it? Let's do it. I don't know it. why Wait, I sounded so serious. <laughs> I don't know why I reacted. Like, we haven't been texting about I, this for I'm weeks. going into this like <laughs> this is a true crime podcast. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, we're acting like we're doing journalism here. Um, before we get going, let's do a quick Bev check, which we haven't done mm. on the feed in a long time. What do you have today? Lemon spin drift. Amazing. Yeah. I'm doing a strawberry lemonade liquid IV. So I feel like we're oh. on a similar vibe today. Nice. I had a golden cherry liquid IV earlier. and <gasps> That's um, my favorite flavor. Oh, it's very good. I didn't love it the first time I tried it, but then, I don't know, I got into it. And now I like it. <laughs> End of my story. <laughs> there are certain liquid IV flavors that will just like love bomb you until you're on board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the, first the tangerine kind of did the same like, too. Bleh. Oh, yeah. I also just I don't think I like any of them until I kind of get used to them because they also have um, stevia in them, which I really mm. don't love the taste of stevia. It's not the only sweetener in it, so it's a little bit more subtle. I do love liquid IV because I like how it makes me feel. Um, Mm -hmm. But the flavor, I do need to drink it like ice cold. Otherwise, that stevia aftertaste just kind of like, I like, eh, I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, do you ever have like cooked spinach in an omelet or something and it tastes Mm. kind of like powdery? Mm. That's how stevia Ew, makes I my can, mouth like, feel sometimes. Feel it. I, you sorry know what I'm about talking the about? Mouth noises into the mic. Um, yeah, I I hate that. I like kind of avoid cooked spinach, like uh, large yeah. amounts of it, for that mouth feel reason. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, mouthfeel is so important and nobody's talking about it. <laughs> Nobody is talking about it. <laughs> Except us on the podcast because we're brave. We're okay. talking about the mouthfeel. I almost clapped right into the mic. Jazzercise. Let's get into it. Tell we me. We don't do the podcast clap. Should we do the podcast clap? Let's do it. What's three. that? You don't know. Podcasters do this. They go three, two, one. You're supposed to do it at the same time. But- I did it at the same time, Carolyn. We're not in the same room. There's a lag. There's that much of a delay. Um, I don't know. That's it has something test. to do with audio syncing, um, which oh, there's I like probably the, know. There's like the snap, and then so it will show up on the like audio bar, and you know when to like cut. Is that what it's for? Oh, yep. Whatever. Yep. I don't need it. As the editor and producer of this show, I don't need it. Okay. As the passenger princess of this show, I request you tell me about Jazzercise (laughs) right now. Right now. So yeah, so this is part two of our vintage fitness series. Part Mm -hmm. one can be found on the Patreon. If you follow us on Instagram, you've been seeing us promote it heavily because there's a lot of really funny shake weight um, videos on the internet. And we talk about the shake weight and the thigh master in that one. Um, But today, we are going to be talking about not as seen on TV products, but uh, like fitness franchise classes of yours. As seen on your basement TV, watching over your parents' shoulder, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm starting us off and I am talking about Jazzercise. So everybody knows about Jazzercise. I feel like it's such just a, a cultural thing. When you say that, everybody knows what you're talking about. It's It conjures oh, yeah. up images of like the 80s aerobics dancers and um, it's great. But honestly, it is so much more than that. And especially the woman who created it is such a character in like a good way for the first time. Like I feel oh like gosh. a lot of the people that we cover on this show are like characters, um, but she is yeah, characters like Bond villains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she she seems lovely. So the woman I'm talking about is Judy Shepard Missit. She uh, created Jazzercise in 1968 in Evanston, Illinois. So at the time, she was a dancer. She went to Northwestern University. And once she graduated, she started teaching dance um, at the Gus Giordano Studio, which... I don't know. Do you know what that Giordano is? Giordano is a big name in dance. If I try to say why, I will make a fool of myself. And I also don't know if there's a relationship. But yeah, so sounds good. I, think, I was going to be I like, think, I know where that is when you said Evanston, Illinois, even though I've like just been to Chicago a couple times. So I need to shut my mouth. You keep going. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about Illinois. I've never been to Chicago or Evanston, but that is where Judy started teaching classes. So mostly she was teaching like jazz classes um, in like the typical way where you're like teaching choreography and it's like for dancers. But she was teaching some kids classes and some adult classes. And what she was finding with a lot of the adult classes is that there would be a lot of women who would show up for class and then she would never see them again because Mm -hmm. it was too advanced. It was too serious. Like a lot of women were coming because they thought it would be fun to try taking a dance class. 
And then they realized, like, this is not what I wanted to sign up for. Like, I'm not trying to be a Broadway dancer. I I just thought dance would be fun, and it wasn't very fun. So they didn't come again. And this really bothered her because she loves dancing. It was her – it was and is her passion. She's, you know, obviously professionally trained, but also just cared about, like, spreading the good word of how – awesome dancing is and that it is like good for your physical body but it's also like fun and like it brings joy to her life and it's brought her confidence and like all these wonderful things that she wanted to share with others and so she was inspired to create a different concept of jazz class that was less about actually like training to be a dancer with complex choreography and was more about just moving and dancing for fun and for fitness, which is not a novel concept these days. I feel like that's something that, you know, is so ingrained in the fitness industry and just like wellness culture in general that it's like, well, yeah, obviously, like those things go hand in hand, but truly they go hand in hand because of Judy and what she created. So Basically, her goal was to create a space where women with no dance training at all could come in to a dance class, have fun, feel joyful and uninhibited, and, you know, get a good workout in, take care of their bodies, all of those things all at the same time. A noble goal, to say the least. Um, So to put these things in a little bit of cultural context, because this is all happening in the late 60s and early 70s, and there's a couple of, like, more overreaching things going on that sort of informed the success of Jazzercise. So the first one is that in general, everyone was getting real into the concept of aerobics. Um, A couple years earlier, this book called Aerobics by uh, a researcher, Kenneth H. Cooper, came out, and he is known as the father of aerobics. And it was basically a book all about the benefits of aerobic exercise and like how important it is to do aerobic training for your heart health and your lung health and your metabolism and all these things. So he like wrote the book on it and everyone was like, yeah, aerobics. Mm, This is so important. We care about our health. Let's get physical. And so the concept of jazzercise, like the class concept of jazzercise really fit well into that because now there are all of these housewives who are like, well, my husband read this book (laughs) or told me about this book or I read this book that was on his nightstand and like, I want to take care of myself. I want to be healthy. And they're looking for ways to get fit. And the jazzercise concept felt feminine and approachable and welcoming specifically to them. So it really kind of took off in that way. The other thing that was happening was second wave feminism. So just in general, you've got kind of a uh, academic critique of the cult of domesticity, throwback to our That Girl episode, Sisyphus's morning routine. The audio quality on that is not good, but it truly is some of our best work, even though it's our earliest. Um, anyway, uh, Betty like Friedan's the, the Feminine. Nothing like the classics. That's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Betty for Dance the Feminine Mystique came out. Um, and just in like this second wave feminism movement, this is really glossing over the details of it. But the general takeaway <laughs> in terms of what you need to know for this episode is 
a movement of women who wanted to be able to be more powerful, empowered in themselves, in their lives, in their careers, financial choices, family planning, um, and not just existing to be pretty and obedient to the men in their lives. Um, second wave feminism because first wave feminism was focused mostly on voting rights suffrage specifically for white women and then second wave feminism was more about reproductive rights we're entering the time of Roe versus Wade and Mm -hmm. women getting credit cards women being able to have no cause that that comes up yeah so it's like yeah it's like reproductive rights uh women's rights in the workplace, you know, all of these kinds of things going on. So women are like kind of have this like like girl power, like collective desire for empowerment. And it's a movement that's happening culturally. And the Jazzercise brand was really able to capitalize on it because it was you know, advertising itself as a place for women to come together and find their personal power and their confidence and, uh, you know, step out of the home and away from childcare for just a moment to focus on taking care of themselves, which was a very, you know, kind of radical concept at the time. And in many cases still is today. Um, so I love this yeah, collection was, of fun trends we got rather than ratifying the Equal Rights Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, instead of instead of the ERA, we got Jazzercise. It one for one, fantastic. Right? <laughs> oh God. Okay, moving we on. cheers to that. So, <laughs> cheers to that. So the other kind of big thing that really made Jazzercise so like into the like global phenomenon that it became is that it franchised as a business. And it was actually kind of the first of its kind. So there had been Mm. maybe a handful, maybe just a couple of fitness businesses that had franchised at this point, the most notable of which was Gold's Gym. But that was more of like your typical fitness club gym setting with free weights and machines. It was more male dominated and male focused. But this was the first like female centric group fitness concept to franchise, which is really cool. Like Jazzercise is the blueprint for all of that. It's such a common way to run a fitness business at this point that you don't even think twice about it. But Mm -hmm. in the 70s and the 80s, like Jazzercise was paving the way in this regard. So basically what happened, like this was not the intention um, for Miss Judy, but her classes were just becoming so popular. She was teaching so many a week that she was starting to lose her voice and just like realized, I can't, I can't teach all these. So she decided to like pick five um, of her kind of like, I guess, most dedicated and interested class participants and created a little certification program for them and turned them into instructors, brought them on as staff, was able to expand her studio. And then as, you know, women moved away for various reasons. A lot of it was because um, a lot of military wives were students of hers. And so when their husbands got relocated to a different place, they wanted to keep doing jazzercise. And so they were like, well, train me up. I'll become an instructor. I'll open my own studio in my new town. And so everything like spread around. Um, 
And as you mentioned before, related to second wave feminism, the 1974 Credit Opportunity Act passed, which meant that women were now legally allowed to open lines of credit, get loans, and start businesses without a man having to co-sign. You mean without their daddy's signature? Or their husbands. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I'm sure a lot of these women didn't necessarily have financial independence. They were, you know, not necessarily doing this with their own money. Some of them, I'm sure, were still getting help from their husbands. Like, sure, it was a mixed bag. But essentially, you know, they could bring this idea to the table. And if they had the resources to pursue this and they were able to, like, secure this loan, a bank had to do it now. (laughs) A bank couldn't reject them just because she was a woman, which, you know, good. (laughs) Thank goodness. Anyway, um, so that is the 70s. So we're franchising. We're growing. Women are becoming girl boss, business owner, franchisees in the jazzercise um, industry, (laughs) company. That's the word. Um, And so now we're in the 80s. And oh boy, things are really popping off. Uh, especially because this is when we get the introduction of home video. So now not only can you go to your local Jazzercise studio, but now if you have a VCR player and a tube TV, you can get Jazzercise home videotapes and do them from your own finished basement, which <laughs> we grew up knowing many a woman, many a woman who did. Um, and so with this, they started getting a lot more media attention. And uh, in some of the interviews that I saw of Judy, she loves to talk about, I think she's very proud of these accomplishments, how in the 80s, they uh, performed like a, a group of jazzercise instructors um, performed at the opening ceremonies of the 1984 Olympics, which is so cool. <gasps> Cool. They did. They did a performance, um, and they also had groups performing in a bunch of different, like NFL and NBA halftime shows, which is just so fun. So they were getting all this visibility. People were like, "Yes, Jazzercise. It's fun. It's you know, like it's fun. It's awesome." Which is all Judy ever wanted. She wanted to make dancing accessible and fun and not just this like big serious thing that you had to be super serious about if you were going to be involved with it at all. And so, you know, she's clearly been very successful in her ultimate goal in that way. So I do want to bring it back to Jazzercise's place in the feminist movement real quick before we bring it to current day Um, because it's complicated. You know, I've touched on some of the highlights, some of the good stuff, the kind of girl power of it all. And obviously, Jazzercise has owed a lot of its success to feminism and the gains in women's rights that were happening at the time of the company's rise. Um, and it's true that a lot of women found participating and find um, participating in Jazzercise to be really empowering in a lot of ways. There was one article I read um, with a quote that said, uh, Jazzercise moved women to leave their abusive husbands, to demand raises, and generally to find more joy in their bodies and lives. So truly, like this idea of like women having a space to feel empowered in their bodies, to feel powerful in their bodies was, you know, making a material difference in the lives of a lot of individuals and like empowering them to make good changes and 
do good things for themselves, which is amazing. Also, um, Jazzercise offered childcare, which made it even more accessible, especially to mothers. Um, like there would be childcare like in the studios, in the studios themselves. So that took some of that burden off of women and made it even easier for them to carve out that time and space for themselves. That's so, you huge. know, all good things. I was so huge. Just thinking about how rare and special it feels for women, especially like of that generation, to have a third place, for lack of a yeah. better term. Um, a third place, if you are not on TikTok or like reading Atlantic headlines, is a place that you go regularly that's not home and that's not work and you have community. And to have something that's yeah. not centered around their children, like a school group, a PTA thing, that's mm-hmm. not centered around like showing up to support their husbands and that's not centered around religion, I feel like mm-hmm. is a huge a huge deal to get out of it the is house, a huge deal and that people. it's also like not centered around well I guess this kind of falls into those categories that you mentioned of child care um being a spouse and the community care that comes with like a religious space um it was it it was a place where they were allowed to be a little bit more self-centered in like a positive way where it was like this is about taking care of you not about taking care of other people Yeah, like we can talk about all the implications of like exercise as self-care and how, Mm -hmm. you know, there are negative connotations to like you need to take care of yourself and having that be centered in fitness spaces where I'm sure there are overtones of like achieving a certain look or whatever. But to have, you know, we also believe in the empowerment of exercise and the empowerment of like women moving their bodies specifically in spaces that are made for them. Um so yeah, I see how that could be really like life-changing on a soul level. Yeah. And this was this was something that, you know, Judy was really aware of and was doing intentionally from the very beginning and it's something she talks about that like she always wanted it to be about having fun and like the, mm. j- the joy of moving one's body and dancing. And in those same interviews I was watching, she also talked about how the, like women didn't have a lot of opportunities to do things that weren't revolving around the needs of others. And this is a conversation that we still hear a lot about today. There's still articles and think pieces and uh, <laughs> you know, all kinds of uh, media coming out with analysis along these lines. It's not a problem that's been solved. There's still a lot of cultural imperative mm-hmm. in a lot of ways for women to um, center the needs of other people in their lives over their own. And so this is obviously a conversation that's been going on a long time. And I think as women in the fitness industry who train a lot of women, um, we're also a part, mm-hmm. we're, we're a part of that conversation, the push and pull and the, where is this critique good? Where like, there, there's a lot going on there as the conversation has evolved over the decades. But like Judy was having it from day one. Like she was like introducing this to a lot of women back in the sixties, seventies, eighties that like you are allowed to be a human with needs and a body that also needs care and a person that deserves joy and fun and playfulness. And like, connection with other people doing those same things so it's like I don't know like 
pretty cool and pretty radical in some ways. Um, so those are all the good things. Yeah. But obviously, not everything is sunshine and rainbows all the time. Um, the way I kind of – well, let me just say this. Basically, while she was challenging the status quo in all of those ways and size was – Beauty standards not being challenged. <laughs> not so much. Sure. In fact, jazzercise in a lot of ways and kind of like the like aerobics fitness movement in general, pretty, pretty big players in establishing the like body and beauty standards for women at the time in like mm, I'm picturing high cut thong leotard. Yeah. I'm picturing shiny compressive nude tights. I'm picturing blue eyeshadow. Thin, long, lean limbs. Thin. Um, they didn't say snatch in that waist, but you know, in the little clips and videos I was watching, definitely talking about like feeling the burn in those thighs, like this is gonna be great for those legs, like uh getting getting that slim waist, you know, a, a lot of talk like that. All of the women who were um, in the videos that you can see, all very thin. Um, and in a way, it kind of... 80s is when we start to see the rise of supermodels. It's uh, Baywatch time. And in a way, it kind of makes sense because Judy's coming from the dance world. And so this concept of the dancer mm -hmm. body and being able to achieve the dancer mm -hmm. body through a fitness program... So that starts that starts with jazzercise unfortunately mm. that's like a common trope in the fitness industry now like Laura I know you're always you get mad about like dancer <laughs> arms and whatever like anytime that kind of buzzword language is used <laughs> unfortunately like you can probably credit jazzercise with the popularity of a lot of that type of language in the fitness industry you know, like they really kind of defined what a fit woman is supposed to look like, especially throughout like the 80s mm -hmm. and the early 90s. Um, and to me, it's just very reminiscent, like like Jazzercise's place in feminism and the conversation of womanhood is just very reminiscent of kind of that girl energy, like the woman who can do it all. Like you can be a powerful, strong businesswoman who also keeps a happy husband and home and looks the part while doing it. And I was going to say it's and, and, and it's all of this. You can have it all. You can be it all. And you have to look good yes. doing it. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. There's some good. There's some bad. These conversations continue to evolve and progress into the current day. And that's why we're here on the podcast because, you know, Jazzercise is just such a, like, perfect example of so many of the contradictions that we see within the world of especially women's fitness and, like, the expectations, the messaging, the branding, the marketing, um, the science or lack of science. And it's, you know, it's – the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yeah, that's why that's why we're here. But uh, yeah, so shall I move on to Jazzercise today? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. So as I've mentioned, Jazzercise was and is the blueprint for group fitness. Like any class that contains choreography or any class that is like a franchised 
fitness business like is following in the footsteps of Jazzercise. Um, but that doesn't mean that Jazzercise is like a dead company. <laughs> like if you listen to um, the Patreon episode, I mentioned how like the shake weight doesn't exist online anymore. There's like no social media presence. You can't even buy them except on like eBay. Not the same for mm. Jazzercise. It is around. They are modernizing. And I think they're they're doing a pretty good job in a lot of ways of becoming a like continuing to be a modern fitness company with like cultural relevance and merit to the people who participate. So they celebrated their 50 years in 2019. And uh, as of then, they had over 8000 franchises globally. Now, I don't know if that's all open simultaneously or just there have been 8000 collectively. Mm -hmm. But either way, that's pretty cool. That's pretty incredible. Um, their social media presence yeah. is very cute and modern. They don't necessarily get a ton of traction. Like I honestly am a little bit surprised based on some of the content I see that their social media isn't more popular, but it's there and they're doing it. Um, and they even have an on-demand option now. I'm sure that had something to do with having to close studios for COVID. Um, we saw that a lot with a lot of different fitness companies, but they've really expanded their online offerings. They have a membership that's $25 a month um, with classes that are like your typical jazzercise, dance-based classes, but also other types. There's like strength and stretching classes. They're they're diversifying, if you will. Um, I am really impressed. I'm on their Instagram page right now. I'm impressed with how modern. Yeah their social media look. Yeah. I mean, and it's also like featuring people of different ages, featuring people in different body types. Like it looks friendly and approachable. Exactly. And like the whole brand like ethos of Jazzercise has always been to be like welcoming. You know, her whole thing was that she wanted to make dance classes feel welcoming for people who have never danced before in their lives. And I, I think mm-hmm. you really see that like welcoming, inclusive atmosphere reflected in the content that they post. Um, Because, yeah, there's pretty good, like, age, race, body size diversity. I mean, it's most almost entirely women, but that's kind of by design. That's the target audience of this. Um, But it's it's just like I look on there and I'm like, I would go to this Jazzercise class. And like the I looked up the um, Instagram page of the franchise location that's in Orlando. I'm not in Orlando. I just got really mm-hmm. confused for a second. I forgot where I was on the globe. I was like, oh, <laughs> where? Um, anyway, and like they don't post quite as often as like the corporate page, but like they posted about like updates they were making to renovating the studio and they post little clips with like the members doing silly things. And I'm like, this seems adorable and lovely. And I feel like the people who go to Jazzercise classes in studio have a great time and they love it. And I love that for them. Um, But anyway, uh, so the on-demand option, I did notice a couple things that I was like, oh, yellow flag, red flag, orange flag. Um, Mm -hmm. They offer a nutrition program, which I I mean, I just, I wouldn't touch it. They don't give any details about it. They don't advertise that it's like created by a specific dietitian. So I really don't know anything about it. But I would just, you know, pause before you do a nutrition program created by a fitness company. Always a good idea to really do your due diligence before you dive in. That feels a little iffy. Um, Mm -hmm. from the clips I've seen, Mm -hmm. like the workout videos themselves look really good, like well-produced. The instructors seem 
lovely. Um, I didn't have a chance to like fully do one, but I like did little bits of a couple and they were fun. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I kind of next time I'm wanting to do just like a cardio day, I might do a jazzercise video because they're fun. Um, the other not so great thing there's a lot of emphasis emphasis on calories. Um, like this is the one part of the website mm-hmm. that still feels kind of dated is it's still very mm-hmm. like dancer body, like long lean arms. And then also like, hey, are you a new mom? We have lots of ab workouts for you. And like you can burn up to 600 mm-hmm. calories in 40 minutes. Like, okay, wh- what? According to who, what, what's your evidence for this? It just seems like I don't know. It, like, do we want to? I know this maybe seems like redundant, but just for any kind of new listeners out there, do we want to touch on briefly why we don't look at calorie burn as a measure of an effect? Yeah, workout? sure. Why don't Why like, don't you go ahead and do that minutes. explainer if you're up for it? Yeah. So you'll hear us a lot, sort of. Uh, digging on, you know, calorie forward marketing as like, oh, your fitness watch can't actually tell how many calories you're burning. Like tracking calories out, tracking calories expended through exercise is kind of a fool's errand. Um, The reason that calorie burn is not necessarily correlated to a quote unquote good workout, I would say, first of all, that definitely depends on what the goal of your workout is. Is always like specificity is key. If you are doing cardiovascular training, maybe you're looking to stay within a certain heart rate zone for a specific period of time, or maybe you're doing something like speed work if you're running or, you know, trying to keep your heart rate down so you can take a more like moderate, perceived effort level or you're working on distance running, in which case all of those measurements are going to be more important than calories. Or maybe you're getting cardio through, uh, if you're doing, say, jazzercise, maybe you're focused instead on like how you're moving your body. And if you're picking up the moves more quickly than you were last week and like, did you show up and are you having fun? Yeah. You know? And then if we get into workouts that where the metrics maybe matter a little more, such as anything that's a variation of like strength training, resistance training, weightlifting, whatever it is. Um, The metric of calories out, even if you were able to track it reliably, does not represent how much strain is going through your Mm -hmm. muscles. It does not represent how much tension your muscles are taking, how much work you're doing, how much force you're producing. And those are all of the things that move the needle more in terms of making gains with your strength or hypertrophy or, you know, other practical physical goals. So chasing calories out is not really uh, a useful metric in any practical way. And it's often oversold as this workout's really, really hard and it's going to make you sweat. And then we see that sort of mentality of, oh, I'm burning these calories flip around into I'm, I can only eat as many calories as I, yeah. and like that kind of, and also from like, which a, is not an awesome from way a, to have a long-term good relationship with food and fitness. Yes. Oh my gosh. All those things. Boom, boom, boom. Hitting the bullet points. And then from like a marketing perspective, like why we see these things as red flags when they're like on a fitness business's website is because 
when a when a when someone's advertising that a workout is guaranteed to burn a certain number of calories, that's just another way of saying we promise you'll lose weight if you do this workout. And that is just not a promise yeah. that a fitness company can make to you. Um, like everybody's body and metabolism is different. Like there's no way they know that you'll burn how many calories you'll burn in a workout because everybody's different. And there's like they're implying that this workout will make you lose weight, which is also not guaranteed because bodies are just more complicated than that. Um, how much your body weighs and the calculation that it takes to like come up with that number has hundreds of factors that go into it. It's just a really, really complex thing that can't just be boiled down to how many calories you burn in a workout or like that your watch says you burn or whatever. So it, to me, it's just kind of, it's lazy marketing. It's tapping on like an old and tired pain point of people are afraid of being too fat. People are insecure about the way that they look and think that weight loss is the solution. And so if we put this either very direct or kind of coded language on our website, people will think we are the solution to their quote unquote weight problem. And we just really don't like that marketing strategy because it's dishonest um, and it perpetuates fat phobia, um, anti-fatness, diet culture, um, this idea that it is both good and appropriate to judge and discriminate ourselves and others based on the way that we look. And like, let's just move away from that collectively as an industry is kind of what we're saying. Yeah, we really just need to sever the mental tie of exercise and weight loss. Like, even if a person does, and I feel like I've been weirdly, I've, the past few episodes we've recorded, I'm like, do I sound like I'm advocating for like weight loss? And that's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm just really trying to provide like a nuanced perspective oh, yeah, here course. and also like talk about the science because I, I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast who, you know, intellectually like agree with our take that weight loss should never be the goal and also still desire yeah. weight loss or are actively pursuing weight loss. You know, we need to uncouple the ideas of moving our bodies and weight loss because even if you if like you if in a petri dish weight loss was as simple as calories in calories out like if you were you know if you knew that you had nothing else going on with your body and you wanted to like ignore your set point weight whatever like ignoring all the socio-political emotional factors Chasing weight loss through exercise is still a fool's errand. That is not the role of exercise. The role of exercise is to make you better at exercise. Weight loss is an entirely different thing. So this calories out stuff is like, that's like measuring a movie, how good a movie was by how much popcorn was on the floor. Like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just, it's a completely unrelated metric. And especially for a fitness company whose whole point is about fun and enjoyment. Why are you, why are you bringing calories into it? That's just like not even a part of your core brand. So it's like, if I were, it just feels really it feels, dated. It feels dated it's like, eh, and unnecessary and cringy. Exactly. Um, but I mean, but in the end, like the business is also being run by 
Judy still. <laughs> so let's get to that. Let's get to today. So Judy is still fabulous. <laughs> and my face just yeah. lit up. I'm so excited. I want to know everything. Heavily involved. So technically her daughter, Shanna, is the um, president and CEO right now. But Judy is still like okay. – in it, like in charge of everything in reality. Family business. Love it. It is a family business, actually a three generation family business because Shanna's uh, daughter, Skyla, who's in her 20s, is also an instructor and even has her own little um, kind of project within the streaming platform, like the online platform, where okay. it's like a little bit more advanced choreography and more modern. So you're like the videos that she posts for this, it's it's called Revel Dance something. Like it looks like they're shuffling. They're doing things more borrowed from like j- just more current dance styles. Um, and it's really fun. It's really cute. Okay. And Shanna, I'm or um, Skyla, I'm sure, is also playing a heavy hand in the uh, social media <laughs> of the company because I'm like, oh yeah, you don't think Judy's really good at Instagram reels? You don't think that's a possibility? Yeah, <laughs> like the number of like Barbie themed uh, TikTok posts that they did with like current trends. I'm like that this this is a twenty like a Gen Z person is doing this. Um, Not to do a spoiler alert, but Billy Blanks is only sixty seven and his entire Instagram is just him shouting at the camera. In oh, his no. car. So oh, no. I don't think that Judy is responsible. Yeah. That's not true. I'm not giving him enough credit. But yeah, that definitely sounds like a granddaughter job. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's a family business. These three generations of women doing this together. You know, it's so funny. Some of the videos that I watched that were um, created around the time of the 50 year anniversary so much joking around of like so judy do you think you're ever going to retire so shayna do you think one day you'll ever take over the business if judy lets you and it's like very cute um but also you can feel a little bit of the tension of just like oh my god mom retire already like it's very succession <laughs> like- <laughs> i was gonna say arrested development yeah. that's a- um but in reality, Judy and Shanna are like a team. Like they are the ones that um, pick all of the songs and create all of the choreography for all of the like every 10 weeks. There's a new uh, like set of songs, like 30 plus songs that have all new choreography to them. And Judy and Shanna Ooh. make those or at least they were in 2019. Maybe it's a little bit different now. It's been a few years. Um, but yeah, they make those and send it up, send them out to all the franchisees who then the instructors learn all of those and incorporate them into their classes. Um, And it's just really cool. Judy seems to be absolutely passionate to this day about what she does and about the business. She loves it. Um, There were, I saw some clips of her from just a couple years ago, like teaching classes, like she's still teaching, getting up there on the, on the stage and running the show. And it's just like, all in all, it feels very, positive and fun and a like a business run by a person who is truly passionate about the business and the way that it's positively impacting people, which is not always something that we see in the fitness industry. A lot of times the people who make it really big and get really successful are grifters who care more about the money they're making than about the well-being of the people that are buying their products and services. And so just the fact that Judy seems so authentically passionate and caring. It's 
It's just like it true. I have like goosebumps. It like actually warms my heart. She seems like a really lovely lady and I would love to meet her one day. Um, but I was literally like, am I just PMSing so hard? Or is no, this it's like a genuinely like it's genuinely so sweet? And I, I like I am I'm like a jazzercise stand now. I'm like, I love what you're doing over there. Some of the online stuff, like, I don't know. I don't need your nutrition plan, but like the in studio think- experience just seems beautiful. Yeah, I think there's also a lot to say for, I don't know, that 50 years is a huge lifespan for a relatively small brand. And I think there's something to be said for the power of the product that like, the staying doing 50 years of jazzercise. Yeah. Like those, you know, moving our bodies has so many cognitive benefits so many internal anti-aging benefits it's not fucking magic but it's like the next closest thing we have <laughs> it's biology <laughs> you know and we yeah like we we gloss over all those things we gloss over like oh it's keeping your uh chromosome endings fresh or what you know what i'm talking about like yeah it's keeping your your telomeres healthy <laughs> Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you, AP Bio. Um, like it's it's helping your brain form new neurological pathways, and it's giving you slightly better bone density. Those are the things we gloss over in favor of. Oh, you're burning 600 calories in 45 minutes. And so I think like the fact that it's a family business that like three generations of women clearly enjoy investing themselves in, and is not to be like jazzercise is the reason Judy's still healthy again like yeah. it's not magic lots of lots of things can happen to you and when people age poorly it's not their fault you know yeah, what i mean yeah. but i think that's like a beautiful testament to what she's doing i think that's really something kind of incredible yeah yeah and one thing like one little story i love this little anecdote that they told is that the reason that shanna got involved at all um like obviously jazzercise was going on around her her whole life like Judy started it the year after Shanna was born. So it was truly her entire life. But like Judy never pressured her to participate or be involved. She was always like, if she wants to, you know, be involved with it, that's totally like her decision. And so then what happened was that when Shanna was in college, I think must have been in the 90s, late 80s, maybe um, she went and auditioned to become an instructor but without telling her mom and like without telling anyone like no one there knew who she was she was like oh yeah it's just a coincidence that my last name is the same like on the sign up thing she's like oh no relation and like so who knows if this she is a real story be a nepo baby yeah but it's like she but she did it because she wanted to like surprise her mom and she said it was funny because when she like called her mom to tell her she was like she didn't actually seem that excited <laughs> Oh my God. Which is hilarious. It's like, I did all this for you. But no, what I'm saying is that like, she authentically, like, I don't know. It just, it just seems like it's a really cute story. I'm going to cry. It's just a really cute story. (laughs) What the Um, hell? But yeah, so I'm going to. I want a daughter. (laughs) You're going to have a little tea baby running the business with you. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Norm, step up. Yeah, come on, Norm. Um, Okay, so I want to end this just talking a little bit about my sister's experience as a jazzercise class participant. Because for, I think it was, 
think for like about a year, she was taking jazzercise classes in a studio that was really close to her apartment. Um, so I called her, we did a little, a little interview and she kind of told me about, you know, what her experience was like. And I was so excited to talk to her about it because she is not a dancer. She's not a gym person. Like she is not much of like a formal exerciser in a lot of ways. And uh, this like, and so she was really curious to see like how her experience was going to be in the class. And she said like all in all, she loved it. And in the end, it was scheduling conflicts that were the reason that she had to stop. But like she was in there, you know, like early mid 20s in just a room full of a bunch of moms, mostly uh, like a bunch of women who were decades older than her. And she had a great time. Like she wasn't super close with a lot of them because, you know, she didn't really have that much in common with them. But she definitely witnessed the community that formed in the studio, that these women would always be babysitting each other's kids on date night for each other, that they genuinely seemed like friends. Um, The instructors were always just so friendly and wonderful and like were made the class all levels and like you know people wanted to be able to keep up with the choreography but there was there was no shame being a beginner and like you know catching up and like learning the moves and stuff and basically she just said that she had a great experience there she would absolutely do it again um but she eventually stopped just because of you know schedule stuff which happens sure. um yeah and i don't know i just uh, I loved hearing that from her because she's a very my sister is a is a very like independent person. And especially when it comes to like exercise, anything she's always done in the past, she's always done it as just kind of like a solo venture and never really seemed interested in group exercise at all. So when she told me she was signing up for jazzercise classes, I was like so surprised, but I was so excited to hear that she liked it. That like even for someone who typically doesn't gravitate towards group exercise, it was still like a lovely, welcoming, fun experience. And she was like, I yeah. like the dances were fun. The music was fun. <laughs> so yeah, ending on a good note. <laughs> I love to hear that. I feel like, uh, pause me if I'm speaking for you too much, but I think something that really motivates us as trainers, instructors, content creators, I know the reason I open up my loud mouth on the mic is like so much fitness, so much of the fitness conversation just caters to people who are already interested in fitness. It caters to people who fitness is something that they have already gotten interested in on their own and learned about on their own and enjoyed engaging with on their own and has been welcoming and accepting and empowering to and for them. Um, And like, I really do for as cynical as we can sound on this podcast, like I believe so wholeheartedly in the ability of moving your body to change your life. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think if I heard someone let's say that sentence, I'd probably laugh and then gag, but like, I do believe in that. But earnestly, I want yes. more people <laughs> to experience like empowerment through movement and to experience health benefits through movement when it comes down to it. Yeah. And the people who are 
so why are we focusing on the people who are already receiving that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we can go, we can talk ourselves around in circles about like why so much of heightened Jimbro behavior is disordered and how to not fall into those rabbit holes. But so many people haven't even gotten you know, there. Yeah. Stepped <laughs> foot into the fitness forest. They don't need to be looking out for rabbit holes. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. to hear that something that's so iconic in the fitness industry at large is something that like a person who is generally sort of disinterested in that sort of thing had a good experience with that's amazing like that's the best thing we could hope for like fitness does not have to be your life to make your life better exactly and I think that's a part of why Jazzercise has had such staying power, even in some ways it's been a little under the radar because it's not necessarily trying to be loud and flashy. It's trying to just like genuinely provide something good to the people who are interested in it. And like it's not making headlines as much because it's not extreme. It is reasonable and nuanced and appropriate for beginners <laughs> and like while yeah. that doesn't go viral as much it is what will actually impact people's lives in the best way um and i will say i meant to mention meant to mention this earlier um but also it's very obvious that the other reason why jazzercise became so popular in the first place is because of judy herself and her personality and her teaching style oh my mm. God, this woman is electric. <sighs> she she was watching her old videos like, ah. I'm not going to do an impression. Uh, no, that would be disrespectful. I um, I think you should do some jazzercise for us right now. No, 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 no. I'll I, describe what's happening. I don't I don't want it to come across <laughs> as kidding, me I'm making kidding. fun of her. Um, so I'm not even going to yeah. try. But please go on YouTube and like you, Laura, and anyone listening, go on YouTube and look up like a compilation video of Judy Shepard Miss It jazzercise oh incredible she's just like constantly like talking through and like ooh ah and like singing along and she she's a performer so she has a pretty good singing voice and she's like like rolling her tongue and like like making all of these like fun exciting like noises and hitting these notes and like in some of the videos when she has like male backup dancers kind of like like making fun of them a little bit and kind of <laughs> just like a sass she's sassy and hilarious and mm. just like I'm like oh my god no wonder people were infatuated with her like I could watch this all day I'm obsessed so also just you know like it's all those cultural factors but it's also Judy she she was the secret sauce <laughs> there you go that's the secret sauce is people will uh, show up if they're having a good time. It, exactly. It's really that easy. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So this went longer than we thought it would. We had a lot more to say about jazzercise than I expected. So um, sorry to tease two things in one episode and not deliver, but we've decided we're going to do a separate episode for Laura's topic. Do you want to tell everybody what it we're is gonna, so they can get excited? Oh, we're doing we're doing Tybo. <laughs> Tybo, baby. Billy Blanks in the living room. Tybo. And let me like spoiler alert right now. Like I think I'm like such a simp for Billy Blanks. Like I'm obsessed. Oh my god. This also this I was emotionally primed to get I was primed to get really emo with you talking about Judy and her family cuz just learning about Billy Blanks I was like 
Oh my god, I love this man. Okay, I, think I love Tybo. So we're gonna tug at the heartstrings <laughs> so, again. <laughs> we're gonna be a little bit annoying, and we're gonna do that thing of when like a normal person gets on TikTok with a good story, and they're like, "Oh my god, so go to part two. We were driving <laughs> down the road, and that, and they like can't speak at a speed that's good for brains that are cracked open and scrambled like ours. Um, so when they recap you're gonna have to go to part the two. video that just happened before getting oh, into the next part, but that took up three quarters of the Thank- video. Thank goodness for the two times speed thing on TikTok. If it was possible for my attention span to get even smaller, it has. And I've been utilizing I'm going to be honest. I give up. I decide, oh, I don't care. You're not a good storyteller. I don't care about your story anymore. <laughs> See, I've been challenging myself to watch TikToks through to the end. Why? If I'm even remotely interested in them. To like cultivate focus in a way that I feel like I've lost. It's like a really interesting baby step for me. What? But I have been speeding them up to two times speed. So I don't know that okay. that's actually helping. I Something to consider. Maybe you can cultivate focus outside of TikTok. And focusing on TikTok isn't better than not focus. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe focusing on TikTok isn't good. <laughs> If that was a veiled comment at me, I don't see it and I refuse to respond. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, I don't know if you're not. No, you're right. You're right. Having I've been fun. also trying to cultivate focus in other ways. I'm yes. just saying like, sometimes I'll see someone like singing a song on TikTok and I'm like, ooh, this is oh, good. And then 30 okay. seconds later, I'm like, boo, 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 looking up at the ceiling and I'm like, sit and watch it. You're enjoying you like this. this. Okay. Just okay. sit and okay. watch it. I hear, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's not like, you know. It's not watching every single thing that pops up on my For You page to completion. It's just like honoring the fact that I don't need to get like scroll happy if I went on to watch something relaxing. Well, because also I feel like sometimes people are really good at like reeling you in with a hook and then I get a few more seconds in and I'm like, oh, I actually don't care about this. And that's when I move on because it's like this actually isn't interesting for me. But I do know what you mean that sometimes even if you're enjoying it, it's like, okay, just keep going. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I just want something for my hands to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) So anyway, so this is going to turn into a three-part series, which that's actually kind of cute because is two episodes really a series? I feel like maybe you even need three to make it a series, truly. Yeah. A three-peat. A three-peat. A thruple. A thruple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just repeating you now. I need to go. Um, I like it. (laughs) We're doing Meisner. God. <laughs> like, your shirt is black. Now you say it. Now you say your shirt, your is, shirt black. is black. Your shirt is black. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking no, I about. Say, your shirt is black. It'll make sense to like four people who listen to this and they'll be- Is this an acting they'll thing? They'll be experiencing righteous laughter and you'll feel so left out, Carolyn. I yeah, already a, feel left out. It's a stupid theater kid thing. I'm very sorry. You shouldn't feel left out of your own podcast. Let's wrap this Let's up. Let's wrap this up. Um, so anyway, everybody- <laughs> Keep an eye out for part three. It'll be a main feed episode just like this one. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Check out your local Jazzercise studio, gonna... I guess. Give them some love. They're doing good work out there <laughs> in the world. I'm going to bring a big hook and just pull myself off off screen at the oh, end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need it. Okay. Take care of yourselves out there. We love you very much. Thank you for listening. Mwah. Talk to you next time. Bye.